Welcome to FCAT After School, a podcast project from SFU's Faculty of Communication, Art, and Technology. Here on the show, we join student hosts in conversation with alumni as they explore career journeys since graduation and gather advice for the next generation. In this episode, School of Contemporary Arts student Zoe Braithwaite catches up with program alum and award-winning lighting and set designer Sophie Tang. From the Stratford Festival to Vancouver Opera, you'll find Sophie's lighting-focused artistry and storytelling practice across theater, opera, and dance. Sophie shares with us her experiences navigating school from SFU's School of Contemporary Arts, changes in disciplines, and approaches to education, all leading to a flourishing career in lighting-focused artistry and storytelling. Here are FCAT's own Zoe Braithwaite and Sophie Tang. I am Zoe Braithwaite, a current undergrad at the SCA. And today I had the pleasure of chatting with alumnus Sophie Tang, an award-winning lighting and set designer working in theater, opera, and dance. In this episode, we discuss the journey of navigating school with a lack of direction. Because I didn't come into this program thinking I don't know what I was thinking. Actually, I didn't know what what I was going to do. To the gratification, Sophie found building a career as a designer, telling stories through light. All right. So, Sophie, how are you doing? Good. How are Good. you? Good. Thank you. I'm, I'm excited to be talking with you today. Um, so, yeah, thank you again. Um, so, yeah, I was curious just to get a little bit of background for our listeners um what were the steps you went through like kind of walk us through like in the program at SFU doing your undergrad to where you are now um I actually started at SFU as a visual art major oh okay in first year and then um I took a theater class because I don't know how is it how it is now but back in the days we all have to take one dance one acting Mm. one like visual art and one theater and one of everything and I took one theater and I was like oh this is interesting I didn't know this was a option for a job um and then um and then I took another one because it's supposed to be easy credit per se (laughs) back in the days because there's no essay to write yeah so I took another one and then um the professors talked to me and be like we think you'll be a good fit in the theater program why don't you consider like transferring over or doing a double major Mm. um I considered double major but then because they're all in the contemporary arts program the class times all overlap with each other oh yeah so it would take like seven years to graduate because you also have to do double amount of the WQB so (laughs) I didn't do that and then I was in like second year of visual art but then I decided to transfer over to Mm. um to theater because visual art is something you can practice on your own outside of school, but theater you kind of need the equipment and need the people yeah. to do it together. So that's why I decided to transfer to theater in the end. Right. So you graduate from SFU in theater production, and then you go on to do your masters right away. 
I did. I went to did my master's right away because I know it might be hard for me to be working for a while and then go do my master's because that would mean to stop working. Um, and at the moment of graduation, I felt I wasn't ready to be a full-time theater artist because mm -hmm. I didn't build my, my circle mm. enough. Um, so then, so that's why I decided to do my master's right away. Right. And so, yeah, you did your master's at UBC. There's, um, the stereotype that like, yeah, SFU is the very like contemporary program and UBC is super traditional. Like what was that transition like, like changing gears and doing a more traditional program? Um, it was very interesting because SFU doesn't have a fly house yeah. and UBC's uh, main stage is a fly house. And my focus here at SFU was actually set and props, but I did do a bit of lighting. And mm. then when I went to UBC, I also did double thesis in set and lighting. Uh, but my main focus was more on lighting because I didn't have um, the opportunity to learn about a fly house here. And right. um, the experience is quite different. And until now, like in the same, my work is still separated into the SFU type of work and the UBC type of work. Mm. And I think it was very beneficial for me to see both side of um, the world in theater. Yeah. So you did your master's at UBC. What came after that? Um, I was invited to design for a show. It was, it's called Titus Buffonius. And that show won like eight Jessies, I think. So it was a really a jumpstart of my career. I didn't really know what I was going into when I took that job, but then that kind of became a um, starting point. And then I started designing for professional theaters mm -hmm. outside of school, kind of right out of the bat. I think I was still in school, almost graduating when I took that job. Um, and then I just been designing in places. And through the process, I decided that I like lighting more than set. So mm -hmm. I've been doing less set and more lighting because just lighting has more freedom yeah. in the real world. Because um, set would have budgeting or vision or mm -hmm. just construction, just all kinds of obstacles. And lighting, if something doesn't work out, I can change where the light is or uh, use a different light. And there's always an uh, easy enough solution for me to pivot. Whereas mm -hmm. sets, I always find the process a little bit backwards because a lot of the information and inspiration would actually come out of rehearsal. But mm. at that point, the set is already decided and yeah. already being built, at least in a traditional way. Um, but in a contemporary art like school, like, mm -hmm. like SFU, we sometimes do it simultaneously like the ideas come out and then yeah. we decide the set but in the real world it doesn't really work that way in at least in traditional um theater companies so yeah. i find that a bit difficult yeah yeah that makes so much sense um yeah so like going back to that that project that really like jump-started your career that you were doing is there anything you think like like looking back at that show that um, like if you were to attribute the success of it, what do you think it came down to? 
Um, I don't know. I think it's a, a feeling.、Mm. It was not a traditional show per se. It was, um, it was it was a special project, and、mm. for me, I I actually use more of the SFU side of brain, right? Um, for it, and um, it it all comes down to a. To a feeling, because it was my first time working in a、um, professional theater. But then, reading the script and looking at the costume and looking at the set, it just all it comes down to a feeling. Like I feel like at this moment, the lighting should be like this, and then I just went with my gut. Yeah,、um, just went with it. And so, have you brought that into like your projects since? Is that like your focus, communicating the feeling with?、Um Yeah, sometimes like there's something I call there's, for example, a warm sadness and a cool <laughs> sadness. Yeah,、um, depending on the context of the show and、uh, what is happening, usually this is the most direct example I can give a director of what a feeling is.、Um, and um, usually、uh, we're on the same page and they're able to feel my feeling. Yeah, yeah. So. Yeah, that's useful. Yeah, so it's almost like a like an empathy tool because most of us like that's at our core like what we know how to navigate the world through、mm-hmm. is like the feelings we feel. So I think that's super cool to think of like a bridge instead of like trying to find like what's the right vocabulary to talk about lighting to think of it on a basis of just human emotions.、Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, um, and so. On another note,、um, I was interested. Like, you were saying that、um, when you finished your undergrad,、uh, you felt like you weren't ready to go into the、um, real theater world and want to continue going back to school.、Um, and I mean, now like you've you have a, an extensive like CV of all the projects you've worked on.、Um, How, like, what helped you like making like connections and like networking? Like, how do you, I'm assuming that's how you get <laughs> a, a CV as extensive as yours, it, it, right? Um, I'm I don't really go and social with people. Yeah, and I don't really go to openings to social and things like that. I think I just let my work speak for itself,、mm-hmm. and.、Um, When I work with someone,、um, either they wanted to work to get to collaborate again, or、uh, they would recommend me to someone, or actually some of my old professors from both SFU and UBC、uh, recommended some stuff for me in the beginning,、mm. and then it kind of just built on from there. And then、um, because there is not a lot of female lighting designers.、Mm-hmm. Out there, at least in BC. Yeah. So,、uh, for some project, people are specifically looking for a female or、mm. a full female team or something like that, and that kind of、um, helped my career in a sense because just being one of not many, one of the not very many female and also、um, BIPOC lighting、yeah. designers,、um, kind of. I fit into certain categories that people were looking for. 
So to switch gears for a minute, I know you've been working with Electric Theatre Company doing a show right now called An Undeveloped Sound. I'd love if you could tell me how that process has We've been going. We've done a couple workshops for it. Last yeah. year we did a production workshop here, um, also in the wall. I don't know if you heard, but the door, the guillotine between the assembly space and the wall mm. came in and it got stuck. Oh, Our show was supposed <laughs> no. to start with the door in and then the door would go out and then reveal the stage and everything. Okay. But they came in after q to q before the tech run and then it stuck. And then we had to pivot. It was supposed to be like 100 audience or something per yeah. show. Uh, we had to put people on the other side of the wall, which is inside assembly space sitting oh, against wow. the wall. It became a very immersive um, experience for the audience. And, um, but it was a fun experience because that's not something you would go through every day. Uh, but the team really pulled through together. And now that we're doing it again um, this year, it feels both like something new, but also something very familiar because we've actually never seen the show at least last year, as how it's supposed to be presented, sitting in the audience. Um, so this time, we we had the first preview last night, and it was the first time I think maybe 100, 200 audience saw it together, yeah. and it was a really good feeling. And I think we're yeah definitely in the refining <laughs> stage. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I'm that must be super rewarding. I'm so yeah. glad to hear. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, um, yeah. I can only imagine how insane that must have been to have to like totally re-navigate where the audience is going. It was be. a moment of panic because yeah. we had um, projection and lighting. And yeah. with the door coming, all of the front of house position was cut off and the projector was on the other side. So yeah. we had to rehang some lights and rehang the projectors and recalibrate just in time to have a show so we can get some feedback on it. Wow. Um, yeah, so it was a moment of panic, but it's all good now. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Um, yeah, I feel like that that's the thing that, that is nice about, like, the theater world is there is so much collaboration, and it is, like, super satisfying when everything comes together. But it can also, yeah, bring so much havoc because you are dealing with so much unknown. Um, do you ever feel like you have to, like, compromise your work for the sake of collaboration um i wouldn't say compromise because it's more like everyone has an idea and which right. idea is the best fit um for the show in the end so i wouldn't say compromise but more like pivoting sometimes mm -hmm. you may have an idea in your head but combining with the other um element of the show it may not have worked out um mm -hmm. and it's okay to pivot um, and find a new direction. Yeah. Um, yeah, because in the end it's, um, like for example, a set is built a certain way and once lighting is in, it can look totally different. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and if you have a specific idea, be like, I want blue light here, but then if the color of the set clashes or if the costume color clashes, then it's time to pivot. And right. uh, just for, a it to be cohesive in the end. Yeah, totally. Um, yeah, and, and speaking of pivoting, when COVID like first started, everyone went into like 
lockdown? Like, how did that um, affect like the work you were doing? I was in a queue to queue when it shut down. Oh yeah, and it was like a three stage shutdown. It's like, oh, we're gonna go through till dress rehearsal. We're gonna film it, and then we're gonna stop. And then the next day, it's like we're just gonna queue to queue it, and then we're gonna stop. And then the next day, it's like actually we're stopping now. Everybody go home because um, it would change it so fast. Uh, and then we just shut down. And then I was home for like. 10 months like everybody mm -hmm. else when everything absolutely shut down and then things started to happen we did some zoom stuff some pre-filmed stuff and mm. then I became very busy with all the pre-filmed stuff mm. and I find it's a new world for me because lighting for camera versus lighting for yeah. audience is very different so I learned new things like lighting green screen and um lighting for camera and um, lighting for like live stream and pre-filmed is also different. Mm. Um, but I did a lot of those. And still till this day, some productions are still filmed. So we will have two versions, one version for live audience, and then we would have a different version for um, filmed or, or live streamed uh, versions. <laughs> it's so easy to take lighting for granted. It's like lights are on or lights are off. And like, sometimes I've read a script that says like mood lighting, but like, what is that? Like, there's no vocabulary around how we talk about lighting. And so I'm, I'm super interested, like how, like what's your process for using lighting as storytelling? Um, so actually one of my actor friends when I was in school here, he dragged me into a talk with Mary Overly um, about viewpoints. Oh, yeah. Um, the six viewpoints. And then I was like, oh, this is interesting. This is an acting thing, but I'm listening and I'm like, oh, but I think it could apply to design because um, the six viewpoints space, shape, time, emotion, movement, and story. Yeah. I would apply it to my design, use one or two of them, and use it kind of as a guideline for my choices mm. for lighting. And most directors do know the viewpoints. So yeah. It's a it's an easier way of communicating with them, so they have an idea what I'm talking about. And um, so, for example, um, if I um, pick time for a play, I would read mm -hmm. the script and then decide like one or two of them. For example, um, uh, one of the shows I did, I used time as a guideline, and the lighting was always changing. There are some like over thirty minute lighting cues that's just always changing and never stopped. Um, and it was very effective. It's not like traditionally now here's a cue and now here's a cue. Yeah. Um, I think that was a very successful use of um, the viewpoints and the way to communicate with the director. Yeah, it's beautiful. I think it comes back to like this idea of interdisciplinary, whether it's as an artist switching between modes of creating, theater making, visual art, etc., which SCA just puts a big emphasis on, but also like the styles within certain disciplines, like what we've mentioned with your experience in theater production within SFU versus UBC, to have that vocabulary of both brings this ability to translate between and merge the two. It's so successful as a creator and a collaborator. And I think it totally shows up in your work and proven to be really successful. <laughs>
again on another note um yeah what what's been your like favorite project you've worked on oh i don't know there's not <laughs> really a favorite project but um i guess um any project i'm working on and having a good time is my favorite project so my favorite project at the moment is <laughs> developed sound oh that's so awesome do, so you do you ever feel like when you're working on a project that you just hate it um I don't think so. I don't think there's any project I absolutely hate it, but there are like challenging moments sometimes. Yeah. Um, but in the end, I wouldn't say there's a project that I hate it, no. <laughs> That's fantastic. I I think that's something a lot of people strive for, especially in a creative industry, to be able to say like, I don't hate the projects I work on. I think that's really inspiring. <laughs> um, I think I'm good at finding like something for myself to mm. do like or some some kind of inside challenges for myself um some sometimes i do some design that even audience might not even notice but for me it's a feeling and then if yeah. i feel the feeling then uh i believe some audience will feel it too even if it's not everybody maybe it's a five percent intensity change people don't even know but um it's a feeling and some people will feel it so yeah yeah um one of my professors the other day she was saying that she had a friend who was telling her that like if you can't get out of it you got to get into it yeah. and like always trying to find a way to um appreciate or enjoy like what you're doing and um even yeah if it's something that no one else can tell or it, like not a part of like the evident bigger picture if there's something for you to find to get into it like um it'll like radically change like the way you work and make it so much more enjoyable. So I think that's like super cool to hear like you doing like uh, doing it in real life and <laughs> actually working. Um, so yeah, that's, that's really awesome. Sophie, thank you so much for taking the time to chat with me today. It's been such a pleasure. I definitely want to stay up to date with everything you do. So let us know, where can we find you next? So after Undeveloped Sound, I'm um, working on Midsummer Night's Dream, um, the opera. Uh, So that's my next project. And then... In and then have some other project with uh, Vancouver Asian Canadian Theater and ZZ Theater, uh, and then I have a show at the Arts Club called um, The Legend of Georgia McBride. And then I'll be heading off to a Shaw Festival this summer, working on the Apple Cart, um, and then I'll be returning to Bard this summer. Very I think that's cool. far enough. Yeah. Okay. Well, yeah. Thank you so much um, for everyone listening. Go check that out. Um, You make beautiful work. So I'm super excited to go see an undeveloped sound tomorrow. Um, And yeah, looking forward to, to checking out more. So thank you so much. Thank you. Interested in learning more about the FCAT community? 
Check out all our past episodes from seasons one and two in your podcast feed and stay tuned for a new season to kick off the new school year this fall. A big thanks to Sophie Tang for joining us here on the show. You'll find links to resources mentioned and more info on Sophie and the SFU School of Contemporary Arts in the show notes. Our host for this episode was Zoe Braithwaite, production by Zoe and me, Stacey Copeland. FCAT After School respectfully acknowledges the Musqueam, Squamish, Tsleil-Waututh, Katsi, Coquitlam, Kakite, Kwantlen, Semiyamu, and Tawasin peoples on whose unceded traditional territory our three campuses reside, and where many of these stories shared in our series take place. Make sure to rate us and subscribe to FCAT After School in your podcast app of choice so you don't miss any of our upcoming episodes. And you can follow us on social media at FCAT at SFU, that's F-C-A-T at SFU on Twitter and Instagram. See you next time.